Now back to New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Welcome back to New York Game Day here on 98.7 ESPN. And, and this is really the first opportunity uh, for Matthias and I to, to really do a, a deep dive into what happened with Damar Hamlin. Um, of course, we were, at least I, I would imagine, <laughs> we're, we're, we're football fans. A number of us were either watching live uh, on Monday night with Cincinnati and, and, and the Buffalo, Buffalo Bills were playing, and we saw uh, DeMar go down. I know, uh, Kiwi, you've lived here in Hoboken. I was at City Bistro with a, with a bunch of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got done with a Soul Cycle class. We were having dinner at the bar, a nice bottle of wine. We were watching mm-hmm. the game, and, and of course, DeMar went down, and just the entire restaurant was just so somber and um, and so concerned, and it was just it was it was a, a really um, really unique experience uh, and, and very sad, of course. Uh, at halftime, I came home and, and was mesmerized, uh, just locked to the TV, praying, hoping uh, that Demar would uh, would be okay. And sure enough, good news is that he did. He is, of course. We spoke with uh, Dr. Nick just uh, just a few minutes ago, but nonetheless, earlier this week, as we reported. Um, off a breathing tube and in fact addressed his teammates in a zoom uh, which is which is really really phenomenal but you know I think this is a an opportunity for us to kind of like live through you in regard to the pers- perspective of a player right so mm-hmm. first things first where were you were you watching the game live when it happened and, and what was your first response Kiwi? Yeah, the the irony of the situation is I was watching it, but I was on a little bit of a delay because I had paused the game to go put my kids to bed, and and I came back, and <clears throat> so I was picking up the game, and and all of a sudden, you know, text messages start coming through, and I had gotten a call, and um, you know, asking me if I saw what happened. So immediately I clicked to you know the live TV, and like everybody else, was trying to figure out exactly what had happened, and you know, reach you know, look around social media, and and found a, a an actual replay. Of, of the hit, the incident, and um, uh, immediately was just mesmerized, right? So my initial thoughts were, um, this is something very serious. This is something that we have not seen on a football field before, something that I personally have not seen. I recognize, you know, the formation that the players came into um, trying to protect his, his his person so that, you know, he had some privacy and, and um <clears throat> And in that moment, you know, I just thought about, you know, all the players who I've known um, throughout the years who have, you know, suffered traumatic injuries on the field and, you know, who have never come back to play the game again. Now, did I know the severity of it in the moment? No. But what I knew is that in this game of football, there are, are so many catastrophic injuries that happen there are so many players that you play with coming up who one day are on the field and then one day they're just they're just not they're not anymore and and oftentimes they 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 never come back and they never return and normally that is the ultimate that is the 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 magnitude of it you know somebody lost their career you know but in this situation under these circumstances it was different you know the players on the field in their eyes were watching somebody fighting for their life. And even as he was taken out of the stadium, they weren't sure if he was going to live, if they were ever going to see their friend, their brother, their their brother in arms again. And that's that's tragic. So my mind then went to, you know, the most traumatic experience of my life, which was my brother's motorcycle accident when I was right behind him and I watched him hit the broadside of a car, flip over three times, had to get to second gear to get to where he was, and I thought for sure he was dead. You know, 
Um, when you have moments like that in your life, you remember the smell, you remember the lighting, your time stops for a second and you're no longer a football player. You're no longer a motorcycle rider. You're no longer, you know, whatever you are, you are just, you know, a human being. We are all human beings. And it's a realization that life is so fragile and that there's sometimes just nothing that you can do. And, um, you know, I've, I've lost a number of, of, uh, teammates and I started going back all the way back to, you know, uh, Bismire in high school, you know, um, <clears throat> Ray Henderson in college, Ron Brace from college who also played for the Patriots and then a number of guys who are, are no longer with us. And some of it is football related. Some of it may not be, but you know, all those thoughts started coming to my head. And then immediately I started getting calls from, you know, one after another people who are close to me. And I have to say thanks for everybody who reached out in that moment because processing it in real time was very difficult. We're here now days removed and I've had time and I've seen and heard a lot of what, you know, individuals have had to say about it. And I understand, you know, that he's going to be okay. So it's easier to, to speak about it. But in that moment, what did I do? I, I turned off the TV. I went upstairs, I got my kids and I said, Hey, <laughs> we don't have school tomorrow. You guys want to come down and watch a movie? Because it wasn't, it wasn't just about football. It was about the, the fragility of life and the limited amount of time that we have with the individuals that we love on this earth. And I realized that, you know, at my kid's age at, you know, 10 and eight, there's not going to be so many more times when they're going to want to lay down and, and watch a movie, you know? And, and so I put it out of my head and, and we sat and we watched daddy daycare and I just enjoyed <laughs> the, <laughs> the presence of, you know, my family. And, and that's what, um, and that's pretty much where my mind stayed for the rest of that day until, you know, the following morning when, um, you know, the reports started coming out. We started trying to figure out what was going on. Again, very positive news when it when it comes to Damar Hamlin, which which, you know, obviously makes this week, I think not. I think I know a, a lot easier for the Bengal and the and the Buffalo Bills players uh, prior to uh, this this recovery that we're seeing with Hamlin. Um, you know, you had Joe Burrow who addressed the media, who said that there are players in that locker room who do not want to play in week 18. Now, what we do know is that the bills in the Cincinnati game has been canceled. Um, I will share with you what that means in regards to the grand scheme of the playoffs, but nonetheless, you still have a Cincinnati team that, uh, has to play the Ravens this week and, and they're playing for the number two seed also to try to avoid a coin flip situation. Again, I'll get to that in just a second. And of course you've got the bills playing against the, uh, the, the new England Patriots as well. And, and, and they're playing for seeding as well. With that being said, I would imagine Kiwi, this has got to be very difficult for both these players who were there on the field on Monday and, and experienced and saw, even though, a very like outlier situation regard to what happened with DeMar Hamlin. Okay. But still to witness that, I, I would imagine that it's got to be very difficult for them to step back onto a football field again and play such a vicious and, and very physical and aggressive game. Yeah. What, what do you think's going through their mind right now? See, it's, it's not just about football at this point, you know, having time to, you know, to process it. The reason I compare it to my brother's motorcycle accident is because he was face down on the ground with blood going from the middle of the street all the way to the, to the end of the road and a crowd gathering around and, and, and whatnot. I called my sister and my mom and said, you know, get to the hospital immediately as I got into the, um, in the, the ambulance with him. And I thought in that moment that he was, he was gone. 
I laid down on the ground and I said, hey, your your son loves you, your daughter loves you, everybody loves you, and, and he was not responsive. So the, the trauma that goes into watching somebody that you're that close to in your eyes pass away is is real. You know, I would fly home every weekend, you know, to see him once we started training camp and, and, and come back. And I remember sitting in meetings and having a physical tick in my chest, a physical pain every time, you know, every like maybe five or 10 minutes visualizing the incident again and again and replaying it. And I remember, you know, sitting there in the meeting, trying as hard as I could to pay attention and to follow along with the script and what was going on and just not being able to remove it from my head. So it's not just about the fact that it was a football injury. It's about watching somebody that close to you fighting for their life. Now put it into the context of it was a game and it was a hit and also, it was a hit that many players have suffered and on a regular basis. You know, from the time that you're little, you know, I was, I was talking to some friends of mine, Jeremy Trueblood comes to mind, and we, we, we played high school and college together, and we said, do you remember the first time you got hit in your chest so hard you thought you died? Like, you, you take a hit to the chest and you just get the wind knocked out of you, but when you're a young person and you've never experienced that before, to you, you feel like, like, you know, you're never going to get another breath and it's scary and you have to get pick yourself back up and you have to go. And that's a, a mild version of it. So we've all experienced something, you know, a hit in that angle at that, you know, at that speed, just not at the right impact or not at the right moment to cause such um, such trauma. So it's something that is real. It's something that happens. And um, so for for the players who are considering not playing, I think. Um, everybody needs to take it out of the context of football and put it in the context of watching a loved one fight for their life in that same environment and whether or not a regular human being would be able to go right back into that situation and perform the same act. Yes, eventually a lot of the players will be fine, but I think right now in, um, in this time, if somebody um, is honest and says that they can't go, that's fine. Because we all know in football, when you play hesitant, when you play unsure of yourself, when your mind is wandering, mm -hmm. that's when you're most likely to make an error that's going to lead to you getting hurt. Probably not the same way. We understand how, how unique the situation is. But, you know, <clears throat> for me, you know, when I broke my ankle going into that first Super Bowl, you know, I felt like I was playing out of position. You know, had I you know, had more time as a linebacker and read and react to the play, maybe I wouldn't have been in that position. And there, there's some truth to that because you hesitate, the play goes the other way and, and somebody hits you and now you're hurt. And so my thought process was I don't want to see somebody go out there, hesitate because their mind is elsewhere and then suffer an injury. They're not going to likely they're not likely to suffer the same injury, but anything um, that happens, I, I believe in that game is going to be attributed to the fact that they're just not in the correct mindset to go out there and play. So I have a lot of compassion for the players. And if they can, they can. If not, then I understand. Again, the NFL doing the right thing and uh, and canceling the Bills Cincinnati game and the NFL owners uh, meeting on Friday to uh, put together uh, a scenario for the postseason. Again, I'll, I'll share that with you momentarily. Uh, but one 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 step further, Kiwi, and, and again for folks who don't who don't know, I was I, I worked for the the, the football uh, the the New York Football Giants broadcast team for a while, and I know that you guys have psychologists uh, on staff. Um, I know every team, all you know, every 32 uh, NFL team, all th 32 NFL teams have uh, have uh, psychologists on staff, which I, which I would I would imagine they've been very very busy this week. Um, you know, outside of Cincinnati and outside of the Buffalo Bills, I would imagine that there are other players out there in the in the NFL that have to suit up this week and go out there and play. 
um, that 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 are that aren't comfortable either. Uh-huh. You know, I, I, I don't want to just I don't want to just, you know, um, pigeonhole this in regard to this just being Bills and Bengals players because they were there on Monday and they were on the field. I would imagine that there are a number of players in around the NFL heading into this week's matchups that just, you know, are, are, are going to be a little bit more uneasy uh, stepping onto that field. Don't you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. We've seen we see players go down on a regular basis. We've seen head injuries. We've seen ankle injuries. We've all seen bones protruding from the skin where most of us I have, you know, bones protruding from the skin. And it's it's traumatic. But you find a way, you know, literally they they move up the field a little bit. They take the player off and and you continue to play and you find a way to, you know, to get your mind back in the game. You play for that player. We all understand the risk. This is not a regular risk of football. This is not something, a risk that, that is discussed. This is not something that, that is, um, that, that is, is understood could happen. So this is a brand new experience. I think we are um, exploring a brand new landscape. You know, there's going to be a lot of changes in, in regulation. There's going to be a lot of changes in expectation for um, continuation of games after injuries. There's going to be changes in, um, you know, playing and, and coming back. And, and we're, we're witnessing it in real time. So I think, you know, constant communication, discussion, and compassion is necessary. Um, but I can, I can honestly say, like, you know, I, I could understand if somebody is not prepared or ready to go back out there and play right now in this moment. Yes, it is football. Yes, it is the NFL. Yes, there's a lot of money and people are trained and you're trained from a young time to be able to put yourself in that mindset. But PTSD is real. And um, when you're involved in something traumatic, there has to be some compassion given to people. So again, uh, the NFL has uh, canceled the Bills Cincinnati game in the wake of that cancellation. I'm just going to read this right from ESPN's um, uh, site. Okay, Um, the following scenario based on week 18 results were approved for holding the title game on a neutral site. And we're talking about the AFC championship game. So Buffalo and Kansas City both win or tie. The Bills and the Chiefs championship game would be at a neutral site. If Buffalo and Kansas City both lose and Baltimore wins or ties, a Bills-Chiefs championship game would be held um, at a neutral site. And if Buffalo and Kansas City both lose and Cincinnati wins and a Bills or Bengals or Chiefs championship game would be held at a neutral site. And so that's how they are handling this. Just FYI. Uh, we will uh, we will discuss this even further when Mike Tannenbaum joins us at the top of the 10 a.m. hour as well. So just FYI. Uh, Matthias, thank you so much for sharing with us, especially, um, you know, very sorry to hear about what happened with you and your brother. But but thank you for, for, uh, for sharing and, and being so personal with us here on New York Game Day. Really do appreciate it, my friends. Um, more to come. New York Game Day here on 98.7 ESPN. Now back to New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Joining us now is the conductor of the New York Giants bandwagon, Jordan Renan. Jordan, how are you doing? <laughs> that's, the, that's the Daniel Jones bandwagon. I've been driving oh. it for a while now. Probably. <laughs> Anita's been on there for a while, too. We've got to give her a lot of credit. She definitely <laughs> was uh, – I remember it must have been like, what, week four, and she's like, they got to resign him, right? Mm-hmm. They have to. And so we we were a little ahead of the game because, to be quite honest, and I think we've seen that, that especially at the end of the year, he's checking every box that we wanted. Right? If you're looking at the Giants and looking at the quarterback, you know, can he stay healthy? Was the was probably at the top of the list. That was the biggest problem, the first three years. 
healthy, check. Played well in big games, check. Eliminated the turnovers, check. So, you know, used his legs and athleticism much better this year, check. So, mm-hmm. uh, you got to feel better about where the Giants are right now and moving forward for the future because of that. So. Mm-hmm. Look at looking back on it, you know the ups and downs of the season. Like, are you are you satisfied with how he came along? Like specifically talking about Daniel Jones, are you satisfied with his right. the development and, and how he came along? I know when you're in it, sometimes it's hard because you're going week to week and you're evaluating, you're analyzing. But yeah. now, you know, we kind of have a little bit of a, a break here, and you can look back and say, okay, this is what he was trying to do. I'm starting to understand, you know, how he was developing, how he was working on. How do you? What, what's your opinion on his approach? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's really not much to nitpick and knock on his season this year. There really isn't. I mean, the, the turnovers are like non-existent. They didn't go into like a funk, even when they they could they didn't have a ton of success passing. Like, and then you could see them getting him getting more comfortable with some of these receivers now, right? And and you see, you know, guys like Isaiah Hodgins and Clayton and Richie James now again being a big part of the offense. But to me, the biggest growth, and, and I've seen it throughout the season, I always said this coming into this year, I always thought he was too athletic to not be good throwing on the run, mm-hmm. right? He, it's almost like he was running to run. Like the second he ran, if you, and because I guess you're, when your eyes are down and mm-hmm. your eyes aren't up, mm-hmm. but he, was, he was in the past running. The second he ran, you knew he was going to run. Mm-hmm. It wasn't running to throw. And in this league, you look at the, the top quarterbacks, the, you know, Mahomes, Herbert, Josh Allen, like that's where you could do perhaps your most damage. And I saw a significant increase in that this year, especially late in the season. And I think to me, that's the kind of growth you want to see. And you're like, okay, that's what can help take this guy to the next level. And I think it has this year. That, that's a big part of it to me. Being able to make plays with your legs and make throws outside the pocket you know, buying yourself that extra two seconds, which is huge in the NFL. It's hard. It's hard to throw the ball when you're looking to to run somebody over. You know, it's difficult for me because right. as a defensive player, when you stand on the sideline, you see that quarterback lower that shoulder, you get amped. You know, you're like, all right, you know, I got it. But at the same time, you know, <laughs> hey, you got to keep your eyes up. You know, we need to get that ball down the field. That was one thing I, I was thinking. You know, looking at last week's game, is like I I just I don't want to see him put him in a, put him. I don't want to see him put himself in a position where he could get hurt. You know, and that takes us into um, this game. You know, this this coming mm-hmm. game this week. Um, in your opinion, you know, what, what is being reported? What are your expectations and, and what do you think should be done in terms of playing time for Daniel and the other starters? Yeah. Davis Webb is going to start. Um, I believe Adam Schefter is going to report it or is going to report it this morning. And, and uh, it was reported by the New York Post Ryan Dunleavy yesterday. So that's going to happen. That means pretty much you're not going to see Daniel Jones and some significant giant starters, you know, the uh, Saquon Barkley's, Dexter Lawrence, the guys who have really played uh, had huge workloads this year, right? Okay. Dexter Lawrence's workload for a defense lineman has been really big. Uh, same with Saquon at running back, the biggest in the league for his position. So this is an opportunity to, to rest those guys and give them essentially, this is what teams fight for, you know, <laughs> with the number one seed, right? You get a buy. So this is a buy. And for guys like Daniel Jones, who has been banged up at times this year, we, you know, he hurt his ankle at one point. You saw him as, with a knee brace at another point. Uh, like, you, like you said, he took a bunch of hits last week. And then you have Saquon Barkley, like just the wear and tear of being a running back. We know what that position's like. I, I think, and Dexter Lawrence has been getting Wednesdays off because 
they wanted to limit his workload. So this is just another opportunity for them. And really, I, you know, you, you have to earn it, and they have, right? They clinched the playoff spot before the final season, the final week of the season, and now they get to reap the benefits of that. And we're going to see that today. So it's Davis Webb's game, uh, which is kind of interesting because this could perhaps be his last game. Remember, last year he was looking, to, he, he he contemplated offers to be the quarterback coach of the Buffalo Bills. So uh, you know this could be his last regular season game. And it's ironic because he's getting his first career start, which I think is a pretty cool story if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, very, very cool story. And and that, you know, uh, plays into something else that I thought about, you know, which is, um, you know, we always focus on just, you know, what the season is or what the team needs. But there are some players who have incentives in their contract that, you know, are related to games started and, and percentage of, you know, plays on the field and, and whatnot. And, and then you look at, you mm-hmm. know, when guys get to the end of their career and they look back and say, oh, he started how many consecutive games? You know, so that's something that, in my opinion, you know, like it should be a ceremonial, so ceremonious start for everybody who has earned and deserved the right to, you know, to at least say that they started this game. Um, doesn't sound like there's going to be any consideration given to that, but, um, you know, that was just, just a, just a thought that I had, but, um, let's, let's go back. Yeah, you know, the, sure. you know, the mm-hmm. big story, obviously this week, DeMar Hamlin and, and, um, the incident that took place and, and subsequent in the days that, that followed, um, you were there, you know, with the team, you know, I saw that you tweeted out a, mm-hmm. a few things about how the team was reacting, you know, coaching staff and how they brought in psychologists and had, you know, members of the um, medical staff speak to yep. the players. What, in your opinion, um, you know, was the big takeaway from the situation from the New York Giants? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, there have so many guys in that locker room that are close to DeMar Hanlon and that Bills organization, right? Uh, you're talking about guys like Nick McLeod. A cornerback who was in the cornerback room with Demar, or the defensive back room with Demar Hamlin last year. Uh, Jason Pinnock is a former team, and a lot of these coaches were there. And I, I think what they all take from it is that this is the risk, you know, that comes with playing. Now you don't think about a guy potentially actually dying right from it, but they know that these are the risks. I mean, Nick McLeod told us that the other day was the toughest practice he's ever had in his professional career, right? Because when he went on the field, all he kept thinking about was his buddy who at the time was, you know, not doing great in critical condition. Uh, so that's a tough thing for guys to sort of process, right? Of the, oh my God, like, what are we doing here? Is, you know, there are more important things than just this game. It's entertainment. It's your livelihood. But, this, you know, it's a game at the end of the day. And I think that is something that really stood out to me is that, guys, it helps you put in perspective, okay, what's really important here, right? Uh-huh. And, 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 uh, and I think everybody kind of realizes. And then I asked, you know, Nick McLeod the other day, I said on Friday, I said, you know, does it make you worried about going back on the field? Do you even think about it? And, then, you know, you, you know how football players are generally wired and he's like, look, once we get out there, you just have to put it. You just have to not think about it. Like that's just that's just how it is. We know there's a huge risk that comes with this game, and but we still, when it comes down to it, we'd love to play this game. You just have to put all that risk like in the back of your head and not think about it once you get to that game setting. Which is, I, I know for like a normal normal outsider, that's a strange thing to hear. Like, hey, just put it in the back of your head that you could potentially die. 
you know, on the uh, in playing this game, which almost happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as you said, it's like you know, it's, that's the case with a lot of things in life, right? Like you don't get in a car every day and say, "Oh my God, I could get you know in a serious accident and get hurt or potentially get killed." Every time you go and drive a car, mm-hmm. yeah, it's definitely a different mindset. Um, you know, as as players, and you're close enough, or you're still in there, you, you understand that once you cross those white lines, nothing else matters. I mean, you could have a million different things going on in your personal life. You could have just witnessed, you know, a lot of different things, and you're somehow able to. I think, you know, where where I stand is that, you know, I, I know who I was. I know, I know where my mindset was. Obviously, I never went through anything like this, but I was able to overcome a lot, and I know exactly how I felt. You know, you get out there and, and you play ball, and that's your your place yeah. of peace. That's where you are you know the most comfortable because that's what you spend the overwhelming majority of your time doing and thinking about so you're more at peace right. in that chaos than anything else but at the same time i think we're you could you could speak for it in a way it's a diversion from reality right absolutely 100 percent. and i you know i remember um i can't remember who it was but there was there was an athlete who, who who had mentioned you know the worse things are in my personal life the the better i play because that is where you can just put a hundred percent of your focus a hundred percent of your energy and and not have to worry as soon as you step off the field now you have a million different obligations you have to think of but you only have one right. thing to think of on the field so i i get that um but i think we're living in a different time where we do have to be aware and understand that the psychological effects, you know, hit people very differently. And so for the, you know, maybe there are a couple of individuals who are going to be affected more so than others. And we just have to have some compassion for that. And I believe that, you know, the Giants will, and that's what they're trying to do. But, um, yeah, know, we've seen I think that's why you saw the medical and the psychologists, you know, as part of that group that addressed the team at the beginning of the week, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, we're here as this is the support you have available for the guys that do need it and the guys that, that do need to, to speak to someone or, you know, whatever, whatever it may be like that, that help is available. I think that's what that, that the main purpose of that, that's what it was for those people to go up and speak in front of the team on Wednesday when they had their first team meeting. Uh, Jordan, let, let's talk about Brian Dable and possibly winning coach of the year. I, I, I've been making mm-hmm. a case for him for the last two weeks. Um, and I just, I feel like he's done more with less and I and and you know he's 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 going up against the likes of Kyle Shanahan and, and Nick Sirianni but let's be honest th- those two guys have all-star rosters that they're playing with mm-hmm. not only that and I would love to for you to elaborate on this because as we know I worked for the organization you've covered the organization we've known each other for a long time just how I, I, I want to believe Brian Dable has changed the organizational culture there. I mean, it was a hot mess with Gettleman and, of course, the coaching with Judge and Shermer and, and McAdoo. Getting back to what the Giants organization is really supposed to signify and represent, if you can elaborate th- there, and do you feel, I would imagine you, you, you would agree that I feel that Brian Dable is most deserving of winning Coach of the Year this year, right? I do. I mean, I, I, look, I think... The likely candidates, you mentioned Shanahan and Sirianni. I think the two losses for the Eagles recently kind of hurt Sirianni's case here. They probably need to be like 16-1, and 15-2, and two, something like that. The fact that they sputtered down the stretch here, I think it's going to work against them. So I do I do think that Dable now is the head, you know, the lead candidate. The, the people that I think are going to be his biggest competition now are like the Doug Peterson, uh, Dan Campbell, if they find their way into the playoffs today. And then an outsider now with everything that just happened in the past week, I think is Sean McDermott here. 
I think he's he's going to start to conjure up some uh, support based on how he handled everything and you know everything they've been through this year. I mean, they they are better than they were last year. I know we 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 know they're a loaded team, but they won 11 and five last year. They might go 13 and three right now, and everything that just happened here. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him get in that mix. But yeah, Brian Dable has completely changed the culture. And the first thing I think it is is and I, I've mentioned this to you guys many times. First of all, he's able to create those relationships with people, with individual people. And I'm talking about all levels of the organization. Uh, and he has that ability to relate. And, you know, he, he, that was one of his first things. He personally goes and has conversations with everybody at different levels, right, to make them feel like they're all part of it. And then remember that week one, right? They knew that this organization, that they got in the a habit of losing, Right where, okay, we kind of, we know, okay, we're, we're, when it comes down to it at the end, we're probably not good enough, and we're going to end up in the, on the wrong side of things. And I think that week one, he went for the two-point conversion, went for the win rather than the tie at the end of the game and then leave it in, you know, let's see what happens after that. No, he went for the win, and that then, you know, started to steamroll in the right direction. That, to me, was his, you know, the, the, the moment of this giant season was going for that two in the opener in Tennessee, and it just started the ball rolling in the right direction. And it's so much easier than with everything you preach to, for players to buy in when you're winning, right? Then they don't start questioning it. So that was so big for this organization. And I think that's really what got them on the right path here. I think it shows to you that the players just want to win. You know, everybody just wants to to win games, and they're willing to to you know suffer or sacrifice a lot of things, and and they're willing to you know take what you're saying at face value if you can produce. Um, but a big part of that is exactly what you said: is making everybody feel as though they are a part of it, making everybody feel as though you're not above anybody else. I feel like he, like from what you're saying, mm -hmm. and what other people have said is that he's come in there. He's, he's, um, you know, humanized himself and he's confident enough to, to get the job. And I think that's very important. Yeah, and I think off Joe judge, that was one of the things was a knock, right? He was, he was like, if you were, you were either his guy or you weren't his guy. And if you weren't his guy, you felt like you were ostracizing out of that group. And I think that sort of was a feeling that existed deep in the Giants organization, whereas Dable made everybody feel like they're a part of it and sort of unified the group. Again, Jordan Renan joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Jordan, before we let you go, thoughts on this game and, and how you believe that this game is going to play out. The line was at 13 and a half, then it moved to 14. Now it's up to 16. <laughs> who's playing? Who's not? Um, you know, you, you, do you, you see a backdoor cover here? Game script. What, what happens today? Yeah, I think the Giants are going to be pesky just because that's the way – this has been a resilient team. They're not just going to go on the field. I know they're not going to play much of their better players. We talked about this a little bit earlier. You know, Daniel Jones, Dexter Lawrence, Saquon, Andrew Thomas you might only see for a minute or, you know, a few minutes here or there. Like, uh, and so I think you're going to see sort of like a mix of backups in for the most part. But I do think that you're going to see a team that's still going to fight hard. I mean, the Eagles team is not exactly rolling right now. I know they didn't have Jalen Hurts, but I think they're going to give a pesky effort now. It would take a monumental effort to, you know, come out on the right side of the, 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 the scoreboard, and I don't think that's going to happen, especially given how they're treating the game. But I do see the Giants uh, keeping it close for a while, which therefore gives them a chance to cover that. What is it, so 16 now, I think it's that? I saw this yeah, morning. It's, it's, yeah, it's up to 16, 16 now. 
that's a that's a big number in the NFL. I don't care. I don't care who you are. And I know Philly smashed them the first time with all those guys, but I don't think the Eagles are quite playing at the level they were at that point. Jordan, last one before we let you go. Uh, where the Giants sit right now at six? Uh, who, based on the games and, and who you expect to win and lose today, who do you who, who are you anticipating the first opponent is going to be for the Giants in in the wild card weekend? Well, does, that, does any does any one of us think that Arizona, with the state that they're in, is going to go no. to San Francisco and win? So therefore, <laughs> no. the Giants are getting minutes. Therefore, the Giants are getting minutes. So that, that's that's pretty much how it is. I think that's what everybody wants. And uh, that's an ideal situation because they went in there. They didn't play their A game. They played terrible in the fourth quarter. They had a blocked punt. They had an interception. They had dropped passes, key mistakes. And guess what? They lost on a 61-yard field goal as time expired. So clearly they feel like they can go in there on the road against a Minnesota team we all think are frauds anyway, right? Nobody's a real believer in Minnesota Mm -hmm. Super Bowl. So, I mean, that's the matchup they want, and they're in a really good spot. And they don't have to do anything to get there. That's why you're seeing nobody play today, right? Great stuff, Jordan. Appreciate your time as always. Thank you so much. You guys have a great show. Enjoy. Jordan. Jordan Thanks, Renan joining us here on, on New York Game Day. Matthias Kiwanuka, Anita Marks. Uh, when we come back, we'll have uh, Kiwi's keys to the game. Uh, what the backups need to do in, in order to, how about this, uh, at least cover. Uh, let's not say win. Come on, let's be honest. We know the Eagles are going to win today. Uh, but at least cover uh, getting the 16. Also, we see we've got some calls. Chris, I know you've been holding on for quite a while. Chris and Ira will get your calls. Also, my locks of the week coming your way. Went 2-1 and one last week. Been on a tear again. I'm 35-16 and 16 on the season. Tom, did you do the math? What percentage is that? 68%. 68% with my locks of the week on the season. Why isn't this segment sponsored? What's going on here? We should, this, is, this, is, this is the reason. Besides Matthias Kiwanuka, this is the reason why people <laughs> tune in to New York Game Day uh, for hey, 68%. Hey, if, you, if you're at 68%, you're making some people some money if they're smart enough. Yeah, why aren't I making myself money? You know why? Because I gamble on every game. That's what. See, that's what the pro- that's what the problem is. Just gamble on the games I give you for yeah. locks of the week here on ninety eight point seven ESPN. And yes, uh, you you you'd be swimming in money, right? You'd be swimming in money. But of course, it's not what we do. It's not what I do. Um, I'll probably even put some. I'll probably put some money on the Giants and the points, hoping that I get that backdoor cover, uh, just for poops and giggles. Uh, it is what it is. Anyway, we come back. Uh, we'll have all that in more, and of, of course, Mike Tannenbaum will join us at the top of the hour at 10 a.m. So, still uh, a lot more coming your way. New York Game Day here on 98.7 ESPN. Now back to New York Game Day with Mike Tannenbaum, Matthias Kiwanuka, and Anita Marks. Ready. For Kiwi's Keys to the Game. That's right. It's time for Kiwi's Kiwi's Keys to the Game. Uh, Brought to you by Slomans. That's right. Um, (laughs) Home Security celebrating their 100th year anniversary. Call 800-ALARM-ME to protect your home and family. Also brought to you by Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey, the original triple blend, triple distilled, triple cast matured Irish whiskey. Make sure you grab a Tullamore Dew during tonight's action. Remember when it's game time, it's Tully time. So please enjoy responsibly. With that being said, again, this line opened up at 13 and a half. It's now, it went up to 14. Now it's up to 16. And reports are Davis Webb is going to be starting for the Giants, not Tyrod Taylor. Also, Jalen Hurts definitely getting the start for the Eagles. Um, so how do the giant? How do the Giants cover Kiwi? It's about covering. It's not about winning it's about, today. 
it's about covering. It's about it's about putting your team in the in the best possible situation, um, obviously. But I also think it's about the individual. You know, it's very similar to what I said about the Jets in terms of being professional. Every single play is being evaluated by all you know 32 teams in the league, and especially yours. And if you're a young guy, if you're a guy who's been traveling, you know, around the league, and you're trying to find a landing spot, this is a great opportunity to show that you can play some consistent football and do your job right. Um, so the things I said about the Jets also apply here. Only do your job. You know, this is not a time to go out there and show and prove that you can, you know, take over the game. This is a situation where, hey, listen, everybody on the field is playing um, out of position in some places, uh, playing new positions. So you should only do your job, but execute that job to perfection. Now, the other side is, you know, we're talking about the Giants. This is a playoff-bound team. This is a team that hasn't, you know, these guys in the locker room haven't been to the playoffs on this team. So there's going to be a lot of new things thrown at them. So I would like for them to, one, master their routine. Now, I'm speaking specifically about the guys who are going to be expected to start and play significantly in the playoff um, or in the playoffs, you know, coming next week. I want them to master their routine, meaning, you know, everything that they need to do, everything that they need to get scheduled, they need to do it now because there's going to be more media requests, there's going to be more family requests, there's going to be more distractions coming at you when the playoffs start, and you're not going to have that same amount of time. So this is a great opportunity um, to work on your technique. If there's a move, if there's a, um, you know, a play that was bothering you or, or something that you hadn't, you know, fit quite figured out this is an opportunity to get with your coaches and get that that final understanding of everything so that when you do go into the playoffs everything is is clicking 100 percent so in terms of covering you know i would like the guys to be professional do their job and have great execution um in terms of looking forward i'd like them to master their routine manage the family expectations and and you know get that move down you know that that move that play that you were since you were working on get that thing mastered Great stuff. Again, these are Kiwi's keys to the game. Let's go to your calls, 800-919-3776. Chris, I know you've been holding on uh, for, for quite a while. Uh, so appreciate it. Welcome into New York Game Day. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. Thanks very much. I uh, appreciate it, and I'll, I'll keep it short. Um, and I don't want this to come off as facetious in any way whatsoever. I think what's been happening across the country has been nothing short of inspirational. Um, I just wanted to get your guys' perspective on this, and I don't want to demean it by any means, but with the situation with DeMar, I don't want to bring finances into it, but I just wonder, as a as a fan base, as a society, as a player's organization, and Matthias, you might have a better insight into this, does this help, I guess, push forward the conversation for the need for guaranteed contracts and, and like, health care for players? Even if they don't make it, I think I'm not an expert on the player organization. I don't even know my healthcare system very well, but to get some kind of sustained healthcare to, because we know that financially there could be a lot of costs with this, but I just think we all talk about the human aspect of things. We know the sport is incredibly dangerous. Does this push things forward? Is this, hey, we need to make sure at the bare minimum there's guaranteed contracts, but plus like long term healthcare benefits for the players? I'll, I'll hang up and I'll, I'll listen to you guys. Yeah, Bye, I'm I out mean- of breath. That's okay, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for for holding on as long as you did. Kiwi, you're you're better to answer this than I. I have a great Mm -hmm. perspective on this. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times we talk about, or it's always discussed, you know, players, they blew through their money or they're, you know, they were irresponsible. But what people don't understand is the number one reason a professional athletes and football players specifically go broke 
is or end up filing for bankruptcy is because of medical bills you know when you are retired and this is this is a young guy who's not vested you know had a hundred and sixty thousand dollars in guarantees was making you know i think somewhere in the neighborhood of 800 um you know when you look at that you know if he never plays another game he's not owed another dollar from his club or from the league that's not necessarily life-changing money yeah that's a lot of money and a lot can be done with it but that's not life-changing set your family up and and for generations type money and in fact that is the situation that the overwhelming majority of players who come through the league are in you know I played for nine years and I tell people I play with probably thousands of people because every day there's a new jersey that comes in there's somebody else who is trying and vying for a spot so the names that you know and the players that you see on the field and you can recognize you can remember yes they are paid handsomely but what you also have to understand is that the overwhelming majority of the league is made up from guys who are not guaranteed um, the kind of money that we think that the league has and you know once you're once you're out of the game you know you have a short window you know to convert your medical insurance and, and do COBRA and, and all these different things and getting disability is a very very um, difficult thing for a league that has a hundred percent injury rate so for me if you're really concerned about the players you start with um, lifetime medical care. I think it, it just it it's only makes sense. You know, you suffer these injuries playing football, um, and then when you're done and you're retired, you know, that's when the injuries start to come back. That's when you know four and five and six surgeries are needed to correct problems that you know you were tough enough to play through and to play with you know, during your career. Um, so I think you start there. Yeah, the conversation about guaranteeing contracts would, would be great. Um, I think that's a, a much stronger, uh, much tougher battle. But I think you could just start with um, providing health care for players. I think that would do uh, a tremendous amount for, you know, a lot of a lot of players who find themselves in, in um, honestly, some really, really damaging situations. Um, it is time now for my locks of the week. Anita's three locks of the week. Here we go. Uh, and we've got to get through this quickly because we do have Mike Tannenbaum standing by. Uh, two and one last week, so I'm 35 and 16 on the season. Hmm. As uh, as Kiwi and I pointed out, if we were just to play these three locks each and every week, we'd all be winning money. Uh, but obviously that's not the case with me. But nonetheless, all right, here are my three locks heading into week 18. And this is tough uh, because there's so many moving parts this week, uh, understandably so, because so much uh, riding on teams winning, losing. Uh, are they going to put their best foot forward? Are they going to be scoreboard watching? Uh, for me, my best bet is two two bets, actually, with the Steelers. Number one, I like the Steelers minus two and a half. If you have to buy the hook, buy it. A lot of motivation here. They're playing to try to get into the postseason. Also, Mike Tomlin not having uh, a losing season. His guys are going to be playing really hard for him. Ever since T.J. Watt came back, their defense has been really great. Uh, last three three straight games, holding opponents to 250 yards or less. Second in interception rate. And you've got a lot of drama going on with the Cleveland Browns, right? They're paying all this money to Sean Watson. He's only averaging 13 points a game. Jadavian Clowney came out and said some really weird stuff about Miles Garrett. He didn't even make the flight. The ownership said, stay home. We don't even need you. Uh, they don't have DJ Ward, their, their DB. They don't have their offensive tackle, Conklin. So I love the Steelers today, minus two and a half. That's my first best bet. Really quick, Kiwi, thoughts? Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. I like the Pittsburgh Steelers um, in this situation. Um, like you said, there's, there's a lot of turmoil, a lot of things going on around Cleveland that just don't make sense. 
Number two is I'm playing a two-team six-point teaser. I'm teasing the Bills down to one and a half, and I'm teasing the Steelers under up to 46. Okay? Pittsburgh Steelers, 5-0 and their last five games of total points, 40 or under. Cleveland, 6-0. and Their under has hit their last six games. Uh, as I said, Pittsburgh's defense holding opponents to very few yards at the end of the game. Browns over, only averaging 13 points a game. And Kenny Pickett only averaging 200 passing yards a game. So that's why I'm, I'm on the under. And for the Buffalo Bills, I think with, with DeMar Hamlin doing well, how emotional that team is going to be. Bills Mafia, that stadium is going to be electric. And the Patriots, 17th in scoring, 26th in third down conversion rate, and last in red zone scoring, the Bills first in red zone defense. So I don't like the seven and a half. So I'm going to tease it down to minus one and a half for the bills. And I'm going to tease the under for the Pittsburgh Steelers up to 46 Kiwi thoughts. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, especially, I mean, especially the bills Patriots like coming down at, at this point, you know, like plus eight, that's, that's a big margin. And last but not least, I like the Lions here. And I certainly like the Lions. If you think the Rams are going to upset and beat Seattle, which I do. So right now you could get the Lions at plus five, okay? So if you like the Rams, and I do, beating Seattle, I like the Lions at plus five. Even if the even if the Rams don't beat Seattle, I still think Dan Campbell is going to have these guys ready. He's a monster motivator, uh, or I should say a master motivator. That's for sure. He wants this team to end up nine and eight on the season, above 500. You want to build a winning philosophy there in Detroit, which they haven't had in a long time. Um, their offense, believe it or not, is hotter than the Green Bay Packers. Rodgers is dealing with a thumb issue. Watson's dealing with a hip. They win the battle in the trenches, and they get Deshaun Elliott back, their safety, which is a big reason why, by the way, they lost to Carolina. So I like this Detroit Lions team. I like them plus five, and I wouldn't be surprised if they outright beat the Green Bay Packers today. Mm. Your thoughts? Mm. Can't go with it. Okay. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it. No, I mean, uh, it, it would be a great story. Honestly, like that that's the storyline that I would like to see. Uh would I put money on it? I just I just couldn't go there. Okay, that's fine. Uh this is what I'm rolling with. Detroit plus five, Pittsburgh Steelers minus two and a half, and a two team six point teaser, teasing the Bills down to minus one and a half, and the Pittsburgh Steelers under up to forty six. Those are my locks of the week. All right, quick break. We come back. We kick off the next hour with That's right, the man of the hour. Do you, over, not over under, how much money do you want to wager that his bomb of the week for the fourth straight week is going to be something <laughs> about the Patriots? I have a feeling it is. We'll find out this next hour. New York Game Day, 98.7 ESPN. Mike Tannenbaum joins us next here on 98.7 ESPN.